In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Between the Lines. On this podcast, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. You will also hear from editors, literary agents, and publishers in the hopes of giving us all a better understanding of how it all works together. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey. I'm encouraging you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was a teacher at school handing out a writing assignment, while for others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. On this episode, I will be speaking with Jeffrey Kippel. Do you prefer Jeff or Jeffrey? Jeff sounds great. It sounds good to me too. Well, Well, hello and welcome to Between the Lines. Thank you so much for having me on the show today, Randy. Well, right now the pleasure is all mine. So let's let's get into this and see if it will remain so. <laughs> uh, now, before we start, could you give maybe a, a, the audience a brief bio of yourself? Sure. Well, my name is Jeffrey Gipple, as we've all established. I live together with my wife Mindy and our cat Oracle up in the Muskoka region in in Canada. I like to describe the area as living kind of in the middle of the forest on a lake. My uh, background is in the fitness, wellness, and empowerment space. Uh, and obviously, uh, writing has always been a big part of that. Through that market, together with my wife, we helped to launch what's known as the natural bodybuilding movement and events known as fitness model search events. And we ran expos and television shows and published magazines and ran an event tour all around the world Hmm. until we came to a real recognition that being fit isn't just about the outward appearance. And although people look like superheroes up on stage, it's also about mental and emotional and spiritual and functional health. And we said, that's the message we want to put out. And uh, that's accomplished by me being an ambassador for a movement that's all about people unleashing their superhero uh, that's called Rethink Fit. 
I put a message of empowerment through my comedy books to give people that, you know, further understanding. And we have a talk show where we interview people who also have messages to share through their arts and their crafts to give that message of empowerment. And I think that's made up a lot of my life. I, uh, I do speaking engagements. I help people on mentorship side. And I just really enjoy being able to spread a message. And whether it's through speaking, you know, like on a show like this, uh, or through my book, or being involved in helping people see a pathway through their transformation journey. Excellent. That's, uh, that's really interesting. I, I look at myself, I've always been a, a, I'll say big bone, but that's just a, an excuse to not call myself overweight or fat. I've always been this way. When you get together with somebody, do you ask them what their inner vision of themselves is or how does that work? You know, that's a really interesting question. That inner vision of that someone has of themselves really defines the outward expression of that vision. So when, if someone, if you were to say to me, Randy, uh, how would you go about uh, transforming yourself or changing the way that you may feel so that you can love better how you think and feel and act and look and dream? Well, it's how you envision that in your mind's eye. And then you could be able to see what that will look like. And now you can tie emotion and feeling and things to that and start to do things to aim towards that. I'll give you an example. The fitness events, a lot of the people who stepped on the stage were not athletes that they just weren't born like these bodybuilders and fitness model people. They're everyday people who said, you know what, I want to transform my life and I want to change the way I look. And I want to, I need a goal to be able to do that. And the stage provided that goal. But the first step was to envision, well, what do you want to look like if you're going to step on that stage? And that vision helps you get to that goal. It may mean that you take different steps in your daily life that are going to be in alignment with what that goal is. So maybe instead of grabbing an extra beer, I'm using that as an example, maybe you'll have a glass of water. Maybe instead of having something fried, maybe you'll have something different because you have a vision of where you want to be Mm -hmm. and you know where you're going. So was it an easy transition then for you and your wife is doing this with you, right? Yes. Okay. So was it an easy transition from going from the stage or whatever into writing books about it or or is your are your books and we'll get into this a little bit later but i'm sure some of the stuff you write deals specifically with what you do and then there there's the other aspect of some of the other books that you do well you know the book it's always about how are you sharing a message right Right here on this show you're giving people an opportunity to share a message about them and their gifts well the book is a is another way to be able to do it I started writing this book in my first book in particular when I was in my early or mid-teens. And I finished it during the lockdown, which meant that it became a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. So the messages that I started when I was in my teens were more uh, just comedy-based or so. But through my life now, I was able to take lived experiences and uh, different experiences and embed them in the book. And that's primarily where my wife came in. 
So my wife came in, uh, Mindy came in as the development editor for the book, not even really knowing that there is a terminology development editor. It was more to see, well, how do we make sure that that some of the messages that we want that are self-growth and discovery and empowerment are embedded in the book and done in such a way that if you're open to it, that message will be there for you. And if you're not open to it, it will just slide off as like another funny joke or, or humorous thing. So it was being able to use the book as another gateway to empower people. The mindset of the reader needs to be in such a place that they can accept what they're reading or not accept it. Would that be accurate? I think the mindset, because there's a, there's a lot of slapstick, you know, laugh out loud type of comedy. But a lot of comedy, as you know, is, uh, has some satire base to it, has some kind of message that you're trying to put in front of somebody to be able to have a message of a new way of looking at things. So if I can get you to rethink something that you normally were doing on an everyday basis, if if someone hated dancing, but they read something and it sounded like so much fun that they rethink that and they go to try it and do that. Well, that's someone got a message, but not knowing that they read a book that's going to empower them for that message was something that character did or someone that, you know, if someone watches a TV show and they see their hero do something that they normally wouldn't do, they may look at it in a different way. That, that's my point with it. It's uh, yes, comedy, yes, pause, enjoy, laugh. If you can go one step deeper, then, then great. Absolutely. I'll use myself as an example because really I'm the best example I can speak about. And, uh, but it, it, it came down to experiencing something and going, wait a sec, there's got to be something better. Why don't we get right into the interview now? <laughs> so I guess the first question I'm going to ask you then is, what is your preferred writing tool, PC uh, and software versus pen and paper versus typewriter and why? I use the my iPad mainly. I have my iPad set up like a computer, so I have a, an external keyboard and everything else. I like that. If, an, if something comes to me and I'm not there or it's at night, you know, I'll put it either on my phone or I may write it down. I found that my writing now has become so messy that it's better just to do it the other way. I used to like to write. I used to like to write it out. And my editing was going from each version of written until it went into typed, uh, you know, until it came to word processors and, and everything that we have now. Now, do you think that that the actual physical writing, you know, like before computers and all that electronic stuff, do you think that physical act of writing poetry, stories or whatever is dying out or are there still some some few stragglers still struggling to hold on to that? I think it is changing because people are just they always have their computer or something with them, uh, their laptop or phone. I think that it depends on what you're doing for writing. Things that are prose, things that are poetry-based or that stream of consciousness, a flash fiction type story idea comes into mind. Actually writing it has a completely different energy. You're actually using a different part of your brain even because you've got, you're keeping that creative flow process. Sometimes on a computer, depending on, uh, I know a lot of writers use the different programs that show them the spelling mistakes and typos and things along the way. Well, every time that that happens to a certain extent, it's taking you out of creative flow 
into analytical flow. Okay, I see what you're saying, yeah. Different things, right? So either I would do that if I'm at the computer, I would make sure that notifications are turned off on the machine, that all, including like those those grammatical things, because when you're in flow, it, it's not the right grammar. But every time you see, oh, you made a grammar mistake, it takes you out of that flow. Otherwise, write by hand at least that feel and then take it to the computer. That's what I I have found. When the thought process about what you're going to write reaches your hand, there's a lot of stuff going on between there and your hand and the connectivity to that piece of paper. There's a lot going on with that process. You remove any element of that and it changes what you're writing, I think. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it does. No, I even, while you were saying that, I envisioned it differently because when you're writing it on a piece of paper, you've made it real in like the physical world. Because mm-hmm. when you're typing on the computer, it's still in this digital thing, right? Yeah. It, it kind of does make it more real. I, I mean, I have all the little notes and things that I wrote when I was in my teens. I have a stack of all that stuff. I'm sure most writers do. Those are things that like almost carry an energy to it. Like I can remember when I wrote this, and I remember the feeling of this. It's with that piece of paper. It's not the same as on a computer. Well, that that piece of paper makes what you've done more tangible than just looking at a computer screen because that can disappear at any time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, I get it. Next question. What type of writer are you? I like this question. Are you a <laughs> plotter? Someone who plans out their novel or whatever they're writing before they start writing it? Are you a pantser, someone who flies by the seat of their pants, uh, meaning basically you don't plan anything? (laughs) Or the third one, a planser, which is someone who is a little of both plotter and pantser. Which one are you? Well, you know what? I would say I, I don't plan (laughs) i let the creative flow come through however i find when that's coming through the ideas of where that needs to go plot line or how that thing will come to a conclusion so i'm in my in book two right now and i'm writing and i i actually have no idea where it's i know where it's kind of going to go but not really Mm -hmm. but while i was writing the other day it came to me okay this is how i'm going to close this off this is how I'm going to tie it all together. I wrote like five bullet points and then just went back to whatever's coming in. <laughs> so that's kind of how I write. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got their own little thing that they like to do. And whatever your comfort zone is, either you know of one of those three, one of the other two is probably going to creep its way in there somewhere, I think. Yeah. Uh, And it would only make sense that that is like a lot of people like myself, I'm just, uh, I'll sit down and whatever comes, comes. And when, when it stops, I walk away. I don't try (laughs) to force anything. However, during the process of that flow, things are going through my mind that, oh, I can add this later. I can do that later. And the planning starts, but it's still free flow until that planning becomes affected into the work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, it's a, but a lot of people, you know, I ask that question. They, oh, no, no, I haven't really put a lot of thought into that, <laughs> and uh, which is a shame because it's it's very interesting. So number three, when you write, do you prefer silence or do you have music or something playing in the background? Uh, and if so, what is it? 
I normally like music. So uh, I have in the background, even right now, the the music to the movie The Hobbit, because <laughs> I like that, that flow. Uh, depending on the scene that I'm writing, if it's something out in nature, foresty, it might be uh, a Jethro Tall that I'm listening to and, you know, that, that tune of the flute. I like Rush. I listen to Rush when I'm looking for those driving scenes. I found a, a, a band recently that kind of uh, reminds me of the old style of Rush and Led Zeppelin all combined. They're called Crown Lands. So I've been listening to that kind of music. It depends on the scene, you know, whether it, it needs that, that charge up or, or something like that. And uh, sometimes what is cool is when you're listening to the music and the idea sparks from some energy from that song, right? Maybe a word came in, you're trying to find what's the next word. Oh, that, it's something like that. You know, it pops in and, and it, it keeps you going with the flow. Or a, or a phrase that you hear in one of the songs triggers something for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So forgive me for saying this, but I, it might be a visual thing. But the what I'm seeing on camera here, and yes, this is recorded via Zoom, but you don't look old enough to know most of the groups that you've mentioned. <laughs> thank you <laughs> well i mean jethro Tull, that's going back a long way and i don't even remember the last time they put anything out right yeah but i mean rush okay that's that's a pretty standard canadian thing if you don't like rush you're probably not canadian um, <laughs> right but yeah so like do you have a playlist per se that has all that or I, you're i'm writing this is what i'm writing i need this music you just pull it out or I really enjoy a lot of the music from, from the 70s. Uh, so that's, that's what I go to first. Unless I'm looking for specific uh, something based on the mood of what I'm writing, whether, you know, again, going back to that, that time frame, it's Pink Floyd, it's Rush, it's uh, Jethro Tull, it's uh, Jimi Hendrix, it's uh, The Doors, you know, all these types of groups. Because I've been so much embedded in that world, I haven't listened to a lot of new stuff. That's why this band Crown Lands that came around, it was like, oh, that's kind of, that's new and it's got the old feel. The reason I think I like some of the things that I listen to while I'm writing is I know that I haven't chosen something that's going to jar me in some kind of way and take me out of where I want to be, yeah. right? So, you know, if you put on some heavy metal or you put on some some punk or you want something different, you know, something that come up through that, that you may not have wanted those words or that kind of energy in the writing that you're doing. That, that's, that's very interesting though. So it's, it's good. Any, and I like the idea that, you know, you listen to some really good music. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so what was the name of that group? Crown what? Crown lands. Okay. So for me, that, that same kind of band was you two when they first started up. Because oh, yeah. I was anything pre-1980. <laughs> yeah. And then I heard you too. And I went, oh, this works. And there's not a lot after. Well, I mean, I, of course, the heavy metal. Because that's just, I mean, look at me. Anyway, that's, 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 that's. That's interesting. <laughs> All right. Next question. Is there anything about your, about your writing journey so far that you wish you had done differently yeah you know there's so many things to be to learn in the writing process writing the book itself is like part one <laughs> you know it's like any type of business or so what I would wish I would have learned sooner was 
that when you're taking the approach of self-publishing and, and going on to Amazon and, and Kindle and Audible, there are things that need to be learned so that you do it right. Mm-hmm. That just putting up a book and just following the steps, I put my title in and here's my book and here's a few key words or so and publishing it, hoping that something's going to happen is a, kind of like a wishful thinking. Now that I've learned that, you've got to put attention and focus to how you write the title of your book, how you write the description, what keywords, categories are you utilizing so that the people who are searching for things that would fit your book will find you. Because if you don't do that, no one knows that there's uh, anything that exists like what you have. So that's what I would have wished I would have looked a little bit further of, okay, well, what are the things that you really need to know if you take the course going the pathway of self-publishing? Because you have to figure out a lot of things yourself. Okay, fair enough. How did you first come to realize you had a voice for children's books? I wrote my book out of a desire to continue making myself laugh (laughs) and finding, you know, a story that I wanted to have. And yes, I wrote that in in my teens. And when this book came out, what I started to get the feedback from was that uh, number one, adults were liking it because of the humor. And uh, a lot of people were liking it because of the nostalgia of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Monty Python and Faulty Towers. And what people were telling me is they're reading it to their kids (laughs) because they enjoy it. And some are reading it to their young kids because they like all the voices they can make with the different funny characters and all the silliness of it. So I started finding that, wow, a lot of kids like it. And then I started, uh, I've done, I believe, three talks now to kids uh, in India where I've been invited to go speak for their in, the entire class, like in a, a class of like 500, you know, kids. And they're enjoying it. And To me, it seemed like this is whether all the themes on it are kid-like, they're really just humor. And they are just ways to make people just be be fun and silly. So once I learned that, I thought, that's really cool. I've actually gone back. We're almost finishing re-editing the first book because realizing it's kids, I took out there were two places where it said, what the hell is that? So we just took out the word hell and just said, what is that? wasn't needed, didn't change the joke. So there were a few spots where we found things like that and said, well, let's change that up because it is a kid's thing. And, you know, the idea of this book is also to make it into a comic book and a kid's version of it when the characters were younger. So, you know, I'm playing with that end of it. Who were your test subjects for your first book? Well, me. <laughs> well, I'm sure you tested it on your wife. Uh, obviously, my wife. Well, when I first started writing it, I realized that I was laughing. I shared it with my friends. They laughed, too. So I re- so I saw, OK, there's something here. And I've shared it with when my friends gave me the feedback that they laughed and they laughed in the same spots that I did or even in other spots. Those were my test group, you know, my, my, my closer friends and, and my wife and, and some immediate family. Okay. One of the people that I interviewed in season one, Tara Shannon, she's got, on the surface, when you look at it, it looks like it might be a children's book, but it's actually, she 
corrected me on this and it's actually a graphic novel even though it looks like a children's book and so a lot of her audience are adults who are reading the book to their their kids which is something that you had mentioned earlier and so i just find that interesting and and it uh it's it's something i'd never knew existed so what classification is your book then you know that it's a great question because it it's got that comedy and humor like The Simpsons, meaning that there'll be jokes that the adults will get and understand because they can relate back to it that the kids won't get. Yeah. The, the book right now is in a the sci-fi comedy category. However, it's also in the children's category, children and adventure books. It's also in the regular comedy and satire categories. So... We're we're still developing to see where that is because it fits very strongly in the sci-fi comedy. It also fits very strongly in just general humor and empowerment. So it depends on which which audience uh, we're really gearing any type of specific promotions to. That's interesting. So can you have a, a story without a lesson to be taught? You can. I mean, there's all kinds of... It depends on what you what you what you determine a lesson to be. Mm-hmm. And every time someone opens their mouth, they have that ability to either uh, empower or disempower. They have that opportunity to inspire or, or not, or just to be. Whatever it is, you're leaving some kind of potential lesson with it. You could have a, just a slapstick, funny little story, but probably there's going to be some kind of message or meaning in it somewhere. That's what I, I think. Well, I mean, I think it would be safe to say that regardless of what it is, there's something to take away from everything, right? Because it's, it's, it's up to the person who's interacting with that, whether it's a book or a song or whatever, or a TV show, whoever's utilizing that particular medium, there's always the t- opportunity for a takeaway for that person. That would be a safe thing to say? I would. Okay. Well, that was a pretty succinct answer. (laughs) So we're going to move on to part two here where you're going to have an opportunity to, well, I'll ask you about, you know, uh, how people can contact you or get your books and stuff. Anyway, so this is the part of the show where you get to talk about your published work or works uh, or something that you currently work on. So can you tell the listeners or can you let the listeners know about your published book or books yeah sure it is called the ridiculous adventures of servant ed it as uh it's on amazon it's on kindle it's on audible it's really a fun light-hearted laugh out loud comedy adventure the premise is there is an alien his name is servant ed, who's a fun going adventure kind of guy and uh, his best friend is Godfrey, a computer ship who also loves doing practical jokes and they just <laughs> have fun. And there's another character. His name is Jim. He's a teenager back here on Earth. And his best friend is a budgie that sings all of its lines. And some weird space disruption happens and Jim and Serbanan switch bodies. So there's a lot of confusion, a lot of 
trying to figure out what is going on and a lot of ahas as both characters get to experience a brand new world in brand new bodies and get to see things from a different set of eyes. Those are are some of my favorite moments are those aha moments. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of them through the book. In fact, what I challenge people who pick up my book, uh, read the book or the audiobook, is if they have a laugh out loud moment or a new way of thinking of things, you know, that aha or something, well, then tag me on social media, you know, at mention me, use the hashtag Servanan and share that story. You know, what happened? What was your experience with a laugh out loud moment? How did you feel? What was your aha? What did you do differently? What made you feel that? Uh, Because those are all cool things that then to me, I see that what I wrote or what I thought of and, you know, what my wife and I put together and everyone who's been involved with this project, we've reached that end person who who got a message out of it. You know, they, it, it, it worked, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So my book is, is really that it's about a bit of a mental health break, just to pause just to have that moment and laugh and be silly. The audiobook is four hours and 20 minutes and is kind of like a four hour and 20 minute comedy skit. You know, uh, there's a lot of fun with that. Alan Irving, who did the audiobook, was just is just incredible. That's the book I have. I have actually a flash fiction story coming out in, in about a, a week or so. And we're already into book two, hoping for that to be released this summer. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, no, it's 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 important for creators, writers, to get feedback, especially like you were saying. Uh, you know what made you laugh? What what you know what made you snort that milk out your out your nose when you were reading my book, or or hearing the book, or it's it's important for for the creators to hear this as well. And you you brought up a very good point because it's important that, you know, reach out to the author and let them know because it means a lot to them as well. It keeps you doing what you do and what you like to do, right? Yeah, you know, yes, it is awesome to see a review on Amazon and, you know, that that helps with your ranking and people's ability to find your books. It's equally important to read the content of that that review. Whether it's good or bad, it's that you know that you've impacted somebody enough for them to take that extra step and go and write something and go share with the world what they thought you just did. That means that you had an impact on somebody's life. And that's really cool for an author to hear, whether they've done hundreds of books or they've done only one book. Yeah. is to know that what you did actually, it worked. <laughs> you know, you achieved a goal to a certain degree. You reached somebody. And that means if you can reach somebody, you could reach more somebodies. One at a time, yes. And then is there any kind of feedback that you'd prefer not to get or is all feedback good to some degree? I think all feedback is good to the degree that the person felt the desire to want to share with you. They felt that there was a reason for them to share that with you. Then there's a reason for you to hear that. It's how you take the feedback. You know, whether you take it as, okay, that's interesting, or how dare they say that. 
right? Uh, it's so I think it's a matter of the ability to take that in and how you how you handle that, uh, whether you're thrilled or, or not. So when you get feedback, be it good or negative or all points in between, do you take it personally or professionally? Or is there a difference? I try to uh, approach it without a detachment to that outcome. It's information. And information, you know, because you also come from a period of time before there was just cell phones and things like that, where you actually had to communicate well, something written has a completely different energy than when it's spoken. And you may see something written and think that the person is trying to uh, go in a certain direction. And that's not even the intended direction. It was just written poorly because they're not an author and they don't know how to convey their emotion and the emojis they use just didn't work. Yeah. Right. We and never absolutely. know exactly what people are trying to say or how they're trying to say it because it's just words on a screen. Yeah. And then by by putting in our own, we're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. 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 And just like, uh, you know, on, on Facebook in, in the writing groups or, you know, like with, with my writing group or Canada writes or, or whatever, there's a lot of people, Oh, another rejection letter. And they take that so personal, but it's, it's not, it, it should, I don't think it should be taken personal because they're not talking, well, they might be talking about you as a writer having no talent or whatever, but I mean, generally it's all, it doesn't fit into what we're trying to do, but these people take it so personally and they shouldn't. Well, you know, the interesting thing about that is, uh, you know, if you use the law of averages, well, the law of averages is going to say to you, you're not going to get it every time. Even the top baseball players, you know, who are making millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, they miss a whole bunch of times that they're at bat. Yeah, their averages are so low. Yeah. So it's a matter of saying, okay, I put out in that example, I put out 10 letters. Okay, if three, if one says yes, awesome. That means nine no's are going to come. So it's a matter if you look at it, okay, I just got a no. That means only eight more until I get the yes, right? It's it's how you kind of look at it, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, but that's not a realistic way to look at it either, I don't think, personally. But So you've already mentioned Amazon, Kindle. Are there any other places where they can find your books or... Can they write to you and say, hey, send me an autographed copy or? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my website, uh, jeffreykipple.com has everything that I do. I have a specific site, serbanand.com. Right now, the books are available on Amazon and, and Kindle and Audible, like, like you just mentioned. If someone wants to write to me and wants to get a, a copy that's autographed, yeah, I do that kind of thing. And, and anyone could do that. And uh, just connect with me. I'm on social media under my name, Jeffrey Kipple. So that's on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, uh, display, you know, uh, you can find me online pretty much everywhere. <laughs> and so that's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-K-I-P-P-E-L. You got it. Com. Yep. Excellent. Are you a guest blogger or have you done guest blogs or have you appeared on other people's podcasts that maybe people might want to listen to? Uh, I have on my website, okay. I start putting everything up, all the different interviews and, and articles. I, I have not been a guest blogger yet. I haven't done that. I haven't actually started my own blog yet. 
I, I, I think I will. <laughs> I think what are you waiting for, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to get that going. And uh, yeah, but follow me. If you go onto my website, there's a place where people can sign up, uh, get on the newsletter or so. So you get to hear about all the different things, you know, whether it's the books or the talk show or fitness type tips and, and things like that. The last question I'm going to ask you then is, is, do you have any advice for anybody on any of the things that we've talked about today? If you had any advice to give, what would you say? Just go and take action. Take a simple action step that's going to move you forward. Most people don't take the action because they see that it, there's so much to do or they think it's, it's so far away. If you take a simple step that moves you forward, then you can take another step and another step. Uh, it may not be that you're going to sit down if it was writing, that you're going to sit down in front of a blank screen and just your finger is going to start typing and you're going to, it's all going to come out. But if you took that first action that, you know what, you're going to get yourself into a creative flow state and you're going to let your creativity speak to you on what you should even write about or what the words are going to be. It's taking those first action steps. And a lot of people just don't take that first step. Right? And so my biggest advice is, you know, unleash the superhero that's in you. Take the first action step in whatever part of your journey. If someone feels like, oh, I can't write until I've gotten myself into shape so I can sit still for and, and be able to write, then do something to start to, to take that pathway. If you're filled with thoughts in your head, well, take a step and do a meditation or go out into nature or do something. Take that first step. Uh, so that would be my advice. Excellent. Jeff, thank you very much for agreeing to be on uh, Between the Lines. It's been a, it's been an interesting conversation. And <laughs> there's, there's a lot to take away from the things that you've said. So thanks again for agreeing to do this with me. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed uh, being on the show. It was a lot of fun. You have been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will not only be speaking with Canadian authors and writers, I will also be speaking with those from the other side of the writing industry, editors, agents, and publishers, in the hopes of getting a better understanding of how it all works together. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and content. Send all your comments, suggestions, or any questions you'd like to have a guest answer to me at randy.dplpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. While there, look for the Buy Me a Coffee button to help support the podcast. Thank you for your time and your ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on. In business, you rarely hear the expression, for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. 
Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. 